welcome to the Lunch Break ABCs. I'm Brandon Eastman. I'm joined by Ben Albert, Andrew Biernat, Christine Smith, and together we are the Lunch Break ABCs where we talk about a topic that is near and dear to your heart and we only know that because you're the one who told us. You vote on it. Every month we release a poll and it's all around one letter, hence Lunch Break ABCs. This letter today and this month is O for Overcome Decision Paralysis now today we're going to talk about how you can overcome decision paralysis what it even means maybe we've done it in our lives we could talk about that but we've, we've got some tips for you to help you out today and maybe to kick us off here what are your thoughts guys on decision paralysis whoever wants to kick us off what, what's it mean to you and why do you think so many people chose this as their topic because i think this one won overall compared to all the other options that were available why do you think that is I'll go. So first thing that comes to my mind is I, I feel like our show appeals to relatively ambitious people, people that have a lot going on. They're going after a lot of stuff. They're working on something. Maybe you're an entrepreneur. Maybe you're climbing the corporate ladder, whatever you're doing. But you've got you've got this energy. You've got this this potential and you're trying to realize that potential. And what starts to happen for people that are highly qualified, highly skilled, have that drive is we have opportunities show up for us. And the better you get at stuff and the more popular you become and the bigger your platform and the bigger your message, the more opportunities show up for you. And often I think where our challenge is, is deciding on which opportunities we want to pursue and which opportunities are going to distract us from what we're really trying to do. And I feel like that's where decision paralysis starts to come in because there's a lot of good things that you could do, but you can't do all of the good things especially if you want to do great things. If you want to do great things, you have to be very focused on what it is that you do best, how you serve best, what your message is, what your mission is. And, and in a lot of ways, I feel like maybe that ties back to the core idea here, which is you know, decision paralysis may be the symptom, uh, but maybe the core issue, right? Maybe the actual sickness you have is you're missing clarity of purpose. Maybe you're missing clarity of what it is you need to do because then it becomes easy. If it's not a, if it's not on mission, if it's not on purpose, then it's a lot easier to say, oh, no, it's a cool opportunity. Appreciate that. But maybe not. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be a longer show than three minutes. So that's my insight. Um, kind of curious for you guys, though. I know for me, so decision paralysis is something that I think extends out to, you know, than just owning a business or even if, like, you work for somebody or whatever. Um it's not just with the good things. It's with the bad things too, right? Like, you know, should I leave this relationship? Should I leave this job? What happens when this happens, right? The uncertainty factor, I think, causes is like the main headliner for why we have decision paralysis. And I agree with you, Andrew, that, you know, some of it is just because you haven't, you know, figured out that one piece, you know, that clarity. But I, I feel like decision paralysis is, is sometimes not just on big decisions, though. Like, we won't choose how to hire X, Y, and Z, or we're not choosing a vendor because we don't have the mental capacity right now to make that decision because there's 12 other million things that are on our plate. And, you know, that's not a priority, even though it's like, well, why can't you just check that box, right? What's preventing you from just continuing and, and just being done with it, right? Um and I know for myself, the the struggle with certain um, decisions 
is because I don't know what the result is going to be. And I'm a very strategic uh, decision maker and I'm very particular on how I manage risk in all aspects of my life, um, whether it's financial, in a business, what I do for my kids. Um, some stuff is like, all right, let's just do this, right? Like you just shoot from the hip and you're like, okay, I, you know, here are the potential things I envision happening as a result of this. I'm okay with any of those options. And then there's some things that there's like this fear that causes you to be like, I'm going to just stick, just to stay here. I, 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 I don't know what else to do because I'm not comfortable with any of the potential results. And it's a very interesting place, right? Because we're all taught, uh, you know, to be a good entrepreneur, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable, right? And I think, and we've had that conversation before that, you know, in order to grow, in order to get out of your circle, in order to take that next step, you have to be uncomfortable. Um, but with, un you know, discomfort means you have to be making decisions, right? And it's just like the cycle <laughs> you can't always get out of, right? And it, it's, it's super tough because it's not even, some stuff is just, doesn't seem like it's a big deal, right? It's just small things, but it's these small things that turn into a snowball. And then at the end of the day or end of the week or end of the month, and you're like, there's a lot of things I got hanging out. How, how do I, how do I get, how do I get some of these things off my plate? For me, I've resolved some of those things by having like a specific day where I can feel more empowered to make decisions or I'll bring someone else in. Like if I'm like, hey, I, I can't seem to get, get myself out of this box I've put myself in. Let me bring a third party in that's unemotional about this decision because not sure about you guys, but I overthink things all the time because I'm looking for what are all the things that could cause this to collapse? Right. Not even, you know, not necessarily negative, but like, what are all the good things that could happen too? which direction is going to put me into that next place? So bringing someone else in just to be like, hey, no, you're on the right direction. Just just do this and be done with it. Right. All right. We'll deal with the, the aftermath after it and be done with it. I'm the exact same way. I wrote down some notes today of like ways to overcome decision paralysis, but I'm a student. Like I'm here raising my hand ready to learn because talking about the snowball effect, the simplest example I have is I'm a huge maximizer. I want the best decision. I want to be very intentional with how I make it. Um, and I love input. I love data. I love opportunities. And I'm really good at sifting through a lot of opportunities and making a really good decision. But imagine this, you're driving cross country and you're the driver and you, you love it. Well, let's not even say you, this is me, but you guys can tell me if you relate to it. I'll pull up Google maps and I'll type in like restaurants or breweries or anything that I want to find on route. Then it'll tell me what's on route, but it'll tell me the distance. So I have to make the decision, is it worth a 30-minute detour? Can we mm -hmm. find something that's a short detour? Then that I see that's a short detour, I want to click on it, and I want to actually go to their Google page, and I want to read some reviews. Maybe I want to look at the menu. Maybe I want to determine, is this worth making a detour for? And I'm doing all these things while I drive, which is already illegal in the first place. And I try to get my girlfriend to do it for me, and she doesn't want to do it for me or she doesn't care right she's like no just pick it 
Exactly. She's <laughs> like, you just choose an exit that says they have some things and you pull over and you, and I'm like, I can't just choose an exit and then end up at a Sonic. Like I want to go somewhere nice. Yeah. But that decision paralysis, that in that scenario, my maximizing is actually hurting the relationship with my girlfriend and causing to a point that we get in a fight and at the end of the day, like you have chicken from place A, you have chicken from place B, no matter what, you got to have chicken. You're in a car yeah. with heated seats, driving cross country, like even a bad decision isn't a terrible decision, but my wanting to maximize the decision hurts the relationship with the other people in the car. And then I have to ask myself the question, if I'm gonna make a maximal decision, I need to make a quick decision because I want to decide that the relationship with my girlfriend's more important than the best decision, but that's a decision in itself. So it gets kind of crazy and meta. And my whole point here is I don't think it's possible to make a perfect decision. No. And the paralysis can actually affect the relationships with the other people involved in that decision. So I'm uh, learning. <laughs> so you know what you just described, Ben? And I'm sorry to like cut anyone else off, Please. but um is perfectionism and i feel like so everyone on this call right now is type a to some degree whether you're high type a middle type a or, or lower type a right um you are describing my life ben i literally <laughs> have this issue <laughs> constantly and like i am the planner in the relationship right to to the degree of like you know i had to have somebody else plan my vacation because Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to make a decision. I want to go somewhere warm. Here are some options. I want all inclusive, like gave some bullets and then let the person handle the rest. I'm like, just give send back with here are some options, high, medium, low locations. And it was nice. Right. And with things like that, I've had to like the whole the dinner conversation. What do we have for dinner? Oh, my God. Literally <laughs> the the bane of my existence. How do we how do we it's not just what are we having for dinner? Okay, what do we have for groceries? What's in the freezer? What's in the fridge? What did we have like from dinner two nights ago? Are there leftovers? Right. It's literally I, I think decision paralysis comes because we're making constant decisions all the time. And to be honest with you, there's sometimes I just don't want to make an effing decision anymore. I, I just want it made for me. I, I, I don't want to have to make a choice. I, I, I don't want to have to take the time because I'm exhausted. I've been making decisions and sometimes big decisions are just exhausting. And I have definitely been on that trip where I'm like, oh, where are we going to go eat? Oh, let's not just stop at Burger King. Let's stop at a brewery or let's stop at here. Okay. Is it good or bad? And sometimes I have to be like, nope, we're just going to look at this one thing and focus on this one thing. And if it's good or bad, doesn't matter. It's part of the experience, right? And for me, the perfectionism is so hard to step away from because you want to have a good experience. You want to be super intentional. But the problem with that is it's not just us, right? There's other people involved and there's other people that, you know, could deter us from having a good or bad experience. So, I, I think sometimes that decision issue is is because we're relying on, you know, other humans. And it's 
Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel this so much. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I want to hear some of uh, Brandon's insight. So I feel like I'm like witnessing like an armchair psychology <laughs> now between Ben and Christine. And I, I love it. And this is the thing. I think that this was the number one chosen topic for several reasons. The first reason is decisions are scary. Like they mm -hmm. really, they're scary because every decision, whether it's consequential or inconsequential, every single decision is consequential, but there's a scale to what's more important, what's less important, right? Like my wife and I, we, like you mentioned, you'll be driving Ben and, you know, she'll be like, I want to do this and you'll want to do that. I've found that when it comes to the smaller and consequential decisions, I'd rather her just decide, right? Rather than us go back and forth. Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Because I used to teach this in sales throughout your day. You wake up every single day with a meter. So for those watching, I have, you know, my fingers in the form of a bar here. There's a meter that you wake up with every single day. And this is, you can call it the willpower meter. You can call it the decision power meter, whatever you want to call it. And every decision you make throughout the day, depending on the size of that decision, the bar begins to drain, 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 drain. And the thing is, even the small decisions begin to drain the bar, yep. right? So you picking out your clothes, take some of that decision. You deciding what work you're going to begin that day, take some of your decision. You deciding what you're going to eat for lunch takes that decision. So this is why you watch, you know, the, the cliche example is when Mark Zuckerberg said, I wake up in the, in, you know, I wake up in the morning and I've, I've got my, every shirt's the same. His whole closet looks identical because it reduces the need for him to make another decision, which drains his willpower bar. He wants to be able to make a few really important key decisions. But the thing is, everyone who voted on this most, maybe some, most are not Mark Zuckerberg level. And you're you're looking to take your business off the ground. You're looking to create another form of income. You're looking to balance, if that's even real, balance your family life with your business. You're, you're, you clicked on this because you're like, I just want that next thing that's going to help me make better decisions. And when it comes to decision, you want to preserve that bar as much as possible. Okay. Because every decision matters. But a lot of the people listening are like, okay, well, when it comes to decisions, it's scary because there's so many social platforms. There's so many different mediums in which I can advertise and market my products and, and all those things. Like we have a podcast now, but before I had my podcast, and I'm sure you have your own story, Ben and, and Christine with your podcast. But before I started my podcast, I was just a talking head on YouTube. I was just making talking head videos. They were getting some results, but I learned quickly that it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do forever. I learned that I love talking to other people, talking to other experts, but I only learned that because I made the decision to try something new, right? My mentor, Dai, who you guys met, Dai was on one of the Lunch Break ABCs. He just started a podcast a month ago and his goal was, listen, I don't know if podcasting is for me, but I'm going to decide just to try it for 90 days. I'm going to try, I'm going to go all in. And he's over 15,000 downloads now in one month of his podcast. And for those who haven't started a podcast, that takes most people over a year to get to that point, maybe even longer. It took the Be Better broadcast over two years to get to that point. So he did it in one month because he had a plan and because he decided, right? When you decide, there's a part of that word, indecision, which is incise, right? To cut, to cut out. When you decide on something, you're cutting out all other opportunities. And that can be scary, but it's also empowering because you've made the decision. I'm going to go all in on this thing. I'm going to focus on this thing. The most dangerous decisions are the ones where you step halfway in. They're the ones where you say, you know, I kind of want to try this new diet, 
But, you know, I, I always have my food in the cupboard to fall back on. And then you start Atkins or you start Weight Watchers or whatever it is. And then you open the freezer and you've got your pints of ice cream there that you've been saving for months because you bought ahead. Right. That doesn't make it easy for you. If you're going to do something, you have to go all in. And I people are going to say everyone's different. Some people have to ease their way in go all in, right? There's a lot of people, including myself at times, who say things like, I'm going to try this tomorrow. I'm going to start the business tomorrow. I'm going to start the diet on Monday because I've got a dinner coming up on this day on Sunday night. I don't want to miss it. No, start now. Because if you don't start, you've got one foot in, one foot out. If you've got a bridge to turn back and cross, you're not going to stay following through with the original plan. And I've got more thoughts on this, but I'm curious to hear more of what you guys think when it comes to this. Dude, you're like preaching to the choir, man. I feel like I've given that talk a bunch of times. So I used to be a personal trainer for those listening that don't know um, and did that for about eight years. And like, you know, a lot of times we, we talk about willpower. We talk about all these core topics of like, you know, running out of just running out of steam. Right. You know, a lot of times people are looking for coffee and stuff in the afternoon um, for a pick me up. But really. You just needed to not have as much stress and challenge earlier in your day. Uh, so you're not as burnt out by the time you get to the later in the day. Um, and, and, you know, Christine was talking about that idea of like, I just don't want to make another decision right now. Um, you know, and like oftentimes, like for, for my wife and I with Netflix, you know, we're like sit down on the couch after a long day, we've done all kinds of stuff and we're trying to just pick something and it's like, it's impossible to settle on anything. And we take all the time that we should have been watching something, trying to decide on something. Right. And and I think in a lot of ways, it's it ties into in some ways like discipline, you know, the, the discipline of having the choice made already like that's decided. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, Brandon, you brought up the kind of, you know, your mentor committing to 90 days of the podcast. Um, at one point, I committed to 90 days of not drinking and like it, it actually wasn't all that bad because I made one single decision. And then I never had to make another decision after that. My decision was I'm not drinking alcohol for 90 days. And so when someone offered me alcohol, my decision was already made. I didn't have to come up with a, Ooh, am I going to drink tonight? Am I not going to drink tonight? Am I going to go hang out with the boys or am I going to do something else? You know, it was like the decision has been made. Like, I don't have to think about it. It's already done. It's a done deal. And so for me, it just helps to have some of those solid decisions, those clear black and white yes or no's. Um, and then once that's decided, then I just move on. I just go go to the next thing. Um, and, and that starts to tie back into clarity of purpose and, and knowing what you're about and knowing what you're going to be doing. But that opens up the door of like, OK, that's for the black and white stuff. You know, am I drinking? Am I not drinking? Right. For me, it's no. Now, for some people, there's a gray area, right? Like, well, am I going to do this? Am I not going to do that? Um, and like some of that may have to do with family. Some of that may have to do with your business decision. Some of that may have to do with deciding on opportunities or challenges. And it's in those gray areas when we have too much gray area and not enough black and white. I feel like that's when we start to get stressed. That's when we start to run into fatigue. Because I think we need some gray area all the time in our lives. Because if we just woke up and lived the same day every day, um, like you lose track of time. You know what I mean? That's what happened to a lot of retired people, right? They retire and they just live the same day over and over again. You know, they wake up, they have their eggs, they go to, you know, they go to debauchery or whatever they're doing, right? They come home, they they watch, they put on the news and then they fall asleep on the couch. And then, you know what I mean? Like they just have their plan. You know what I mean? And it's the same day. Um, and then all of a sudden, 10, 20 years goes by, you know, and, and like they got the dent in the couch from where they sit. 
Um, and so what we got to be careful of is we need some novelty. And in a sense, that's where the gray areas come in. It's kind of challenging us a little bit. We're having to explore a little bit, but it's like too much of that gray area, too much of that novelty, too much of that is overwhelming. Right. And I think unfiltered. And if we just allow it, if we, if we lack the discipline to make a few decisions and stick to those easy decisions, um, and maybe not make easy decisions, but stick to those hard decisions, um, then we just get too much gray area, right? With, with social media and email and just the amount of stuff that comes at us every day, it is just so easy for gray area to overwhelm you. Whereas if you can make some key decisions on basic stuff, like, you know, one decision you can make is I'm prepping my food on Sundays or I'm having a food delivery service, bring my food to yeah. me. Uh, and that's already mapped out. That's the plan. I don't have to decide what I'm eating for lunch. Lunch yeah. is in the fridge. I go eat it up and I eat it. It's not a decision anymore. I made the decision once to sign up for the meal service. And, you know, maybe once a week, I make the decision for what I'm eating for the week. And then that's it. It's decided for all five or six days now. Um, whereas I could just spend five or six days at lunchtime having and hawing about what I'm trying to do. Um, so I think for, for most of us, I think if we can make more of those black and white decisions, make that decision once that pays dividends over time. Uh, I think we open up a ton of bandwidth for making the, kind of like you mentioned with Zuckerberg for making those important decisions for those black and white ones, you get it done. But for those gray area ones where you really need to bring a lot of your mental power, like that opens you up to do those really, really well. Can I, I mean, jump off or yeah, go ahead quickly jump off on gray area. And, and let me ask you this, Brandon, because you're the sales expert. So I come in, I don't know what I'm going to buy. I need your help. What are you going to do at the end of that conversation? What am I going to do at the end? Yeah. So I come in, I don't know yeah. what I need. You're going to ask me some questions. What are you going to do at the end of that conversation with me? At the end of that beginning conversation or the end of the sale entirely? End of the sale entirely. It's a one-time walk in the door, cell phone sale. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna ask, did we did we solve all, all of your problems today? Did we uncover problems that you didn't even know existed and are those solved at this point? How am I gonna know what to buy? I'm gonna ask you questions about what you're looking to achieve. Because yeah. if I don't know what you want to do, if I don't know the purpose for why, like if someone comes in to buy a cell phone, most people don't know what kind of phone they want. They might have like an iPhone already. There's two types of phones, iPhone, Android. So that's easy. But there's like eight of each in each category, including iPhone. There's four iPhone 15s. The 14 is still out there. So most people, unless they just know they like the latest and greatest, they don't know what they want. So we ask them questions like, what are you going to use this for? How big of a screen do you like? On a scale of one to 10, how important is the best camera to you? So I'm going to ask a lot of questions to really find out what phone is going to be most perfect for this person so that they don't return this in five days because I led them down the wrong path. So at the end, through those questions, you can make a quality recommendation that they walked in uncertain. You can provide a recommendation. They can leave with certainty. Exactly. There's a reason I brought this up with the gray area. It's when you're uncertain, it's just outsourcing the thought process to someone who knows what they're doing. That's why I recently hired a personal trainer. That's why I'd ask Brandon for help when purchasing a phone. That's why one thing I haven't done it, but I did this for a year when I'd sit at a restaurant and I pissed a lot of waiters off. You can tell who's well-trained and who's not, who's passionate and who's not. I wouldn't even open the menu. I'd ask them for three recommendations. The best of the best would ask me what I like, and then I'd tell them what I like. I'd get three recommendations, and I'd choose out of the three. And there was so much just like adventure and not knowing what I was going to get. But asking for recommendations for someone who understands the menu, 
getting a meal service that pre-prepares meals based on your own fitness goals. Um, my girlfriend is Stitch Fix, and she clicks all her preferences. And if she doesn't like something, she can just send it back. So they send her stuff, and she only pays for the stuff that she likes. And the more she sends stuff back, the more the AI realizes, oh, let's stop sending her that. Let's send her something new. So my point in all of that in the gray area is just being humble enough to delegate some of the decision-making process to the expert to make your life easier. And I know me and Christine struggle with this. It might not end up being the best decision on earth. But yep. it was the easiest decision, and it was a no to low stress decision. And choosing those best out of three meal picks, I would eat things that I would have never ordered, and I'm happy I did it. So let me ask you this, Ben. If the meal wasn't good, would you blame the waiter or would you blame yourself? I mean, extreme ownership. I chose yes. that item. I do this all the time. Like if someone's like, well, the tofu's good and this is good and this is good i'll be like i'll be transparent and i'm a pain in your butt but i actually don't like tofu and then they'll usually audible like at the end of the day i have the trump card to make the decision if i don't like their suggestions but it's a fun challenge just to take their suggestion and run with it but yeah, yeah. there there it wasn't a, i didn't hit a hundred percent using this but you're never going to hit 100% anyways. There's been times where I ordered chicken parm at an Italian restaurant and it wasn't good. So you never know. <laughs> you're like, yeah. come on, man. You had one job. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the, the practice too, right? You know, practicing and being able to make hard decisions and it not, you know, collapse, right? Like you bought a new mattress, right? And you're like, oh my God, is this the right decision? And you know, did I just get sold something that I'm not going to like, right? And I and I think it's hard when we don't have all the information or we're not an expert in that. Like if somebody was like, hey, I'm looking to buy a new car. Like I hope, I don't know if everyone on this call actually knows this, but I was in the car business. Literally, I can tell you how to go buy a car and what questions that you need to ask at a dealership to get the best deal when you should go, like questions you need to ask either online or in person, right? But and I'm really confident with that. Like, if I'm going to go buy a car, like I have zero paralysis issues. Like I know exactly what I need to say. Um, but if I were, you know, going buying something that I don't have familiarity with, yeah, either finding that expert is someone that, you know, knows how to make those decisions. So I can be more informed definitely helps with decision making. But I also found automation is fantastic for, for decision making. Um, the food stuff, like whether it's having meals delivered or having my groceries delivered and just being able to click pictures is like the most amazing thing ever. Oh yeah, I got that before. Yep. Yep. Click, click, click. Okay. It's going to come to my house in two hours. Like that's great. Um, automation, even for like bills, like I, I'm, you know, super financially like, uh, organized, articulate, like looking at stuff all the time. Um, I have a lot of things automated, including savings. Like one of the things I learned as a financial advisor is people have paralysis when it comes to investing, when it comes to life insurance, when it comes to saving, simply because there's no process, mm. right? So develop a process and automation is perfect for that. Literally, I have everything dump into one account. And then I have things automated going to other accounts. It does it automatically. I don't have to think about it. 
And I can look at those accounts at any time and I get alerts when accounts hit certain levels. And what's cool is in the one bank that I have is I can actually set goals. I want to have X amount saved by X time. And it will let me know how I'm tracking on that. Like it'll send me alerts on that, which is super cool, right? So if I, I can set it and forget it and then be like, oh, am I, am I on track? Am I off track? You know, the day that I remember to check on something like that. Oh, we're off. Okay, let's, you know, move money over. Let's, you know, change this outcome. Um, but the automation factor and delegation is super helpful. I know for me, it completely changes like my frame of mind because I'm like, all right, that's done. That checkbox is done. I don't have to worry about it, deal with it, manage it, check on it again. Like it's, it's already all set. Yeah, excellent example. And if I had to, speaking of systems and automation, if I had to impart one way of thinking or system that would help everyone listening to this right now to make better decisions, to make faster decisions, and to make decisions you can look back on and be happy about, it would be this. You must have a compelling vision for where it is you want to go. And that can break off into several different things. You must have a vision for where you want to go personally with your health, with your finances, like with what Christine was talking about, with your relationships, with your business. Like if you break down your life and I, and I invite everyone listening to do this, break down your life into several different categories, your physical health, your finances, your relationships, your business, maybe your spirituality, maybe your emotional health. You can make as many categories as you want, but even if you did all those, that's only seven, right? Take 30 minutes, write down those seven words and underneath, write down what do you want to have in each of those areas in the next five years, 10 years, however far you want to go? This is your notebook. This is your notes. And write down who you want to be in every single one of those areas. And if you go under finances and have no plan, it's going to be very difficult to make a decision to invest because you don't know why you're investing. It's hard to give some of your money if you don't know why you're giving that money in the first place. If you don't know what kind of life you want to live when you are 55 to 65 and, and beyond. And specifically, when it comes to this compelling vision, if you write down who you want to be in every single one of those areas and then a decision comes up, and I'll give you a perfect example of something in my life that just sparked this, you're able to then look at those goals, look at that vision and ask yourself, will this decision move me closer to my end goal? Will this decision align with the vision that I have for myself? And if the answer is no, you just created a system to easily be able to say no confidently and be able to own that decision and make, take extreme ownership of that, which is why I asked you about who, who would take responsibility, you, or would you blame the waiter if they brought over a bad meal, Ben? And I love your answer. Extreme ownership is it. And I'll give you another example of, of why I asked you that. So my friend Ben, who I work with, he started the carnivore diet three months ago. Has anyone here heard of carnivore diet? Yeah. Okay, cool. So for those listening, it's there, there's more to it, but the strictest carnivore diet is beef, butter, bacon, and eggs, right? And you eat those things with salt and water. That's what you eat on carnivore. And my friend Ben was doing this for two months and he saw miraculous results. Like Joe Rogan's done this and talked about it. It was only recently popularized, probably about 2017 and on, uh, by a man who really brought it to the mainstream named Dr. Sean Baker. Excellent guy. I'd recommend go checking out the Joe Rogan episode. So long story short, Ben was doing this and he was like, hey man, you should really try this. And I was like, I don't know, man. I get all my meals delivered. It's easy for me just to bring them to work, do my thing. But then when I got home every night after he kept saying that, I kept looking at myself in the mirror 
And believe me, I'm, I'm in a much better place now than where I used to be. I used to be 260 pounds. But I started to look at myself and I started to think about how I felt. And I started to think about what my goal was that I wrote down in my notebook for my vision with physical health. And my goal was to have energy throughout the day, have energy all day long to be able to feel great in my clothes, fit great in my suits, have energy. And I was like, do I have all these things? Not at the level that I want. So I said, you know what? I'm going to jump into this. I'm going to go carnivore. I'm going to do it for 90 days. I've been doing it for 30 days now. Today actually marks one month on the carnivore diet. I've lost 20 pounds. I didn't do it to lose weight, but I did. I lost 20 pounds. I feel amazing. Energy is spectacular. The first week is the only weird week because your body is going into a completely different state of burning fat now instead of burning carbs. So that first week or two or three, complete carb withdrawal, complete sugar withdrawal, all these things. It's like stopping smoking immediately, right? So I did that. I knew myself I had to go all in and I did. And the only reason I was able to confidently make that decision is because I have a notebook every morning where I write down my goals, where I write down my vision for each area of my life. But the whole thing about taking ownership of the decision, and dad, if you're listening to this, I love you and I tell you this to your face. My dad started the carnivore diet, right? And he did it because he saw my results and he, he's got his own vision for his own health. But he's not liking it so far because he likes to, you know, do his thing. He likes to drink what he wants. He likes to eat what he wants. And and every time I see him, it's like he's blaming me for the decision that he made. And I'm like, Dad, you got to take ownership for this decision. You made this decision, right? And if it's too difficult, stop doing it. And he's like, no, I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep on it. And I feel responsible for the decision he made. So the most important thing when you make a decision is own that decision. Every decision has consequences. You got to own it. But in order to make the most educated decision, know the why behind it. Know why you're saying yes to this. Have your vision for each of those areas and go all in. Mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> what was that, a Tic Tac? It was, it was a pen. pen. It was my pen. Oh, <laughs> that looked like a white email. pill. I feel like you just described like the Marie Kondo of decision making. Like, does it make me happy? Does it, does it spark joy? Because I, I mean, I think that's a great way to break down decisions, right? Because I, I, I think whether you're type A or not, you overanalyze things, um, especially, you know, if it comes to your kids or, you know, your spouse or even like your own well-being, you're like, is this going to be the best? Um, you know, is, is this going to be the perfect decision, right, for me and Ben? Um, but I, I think making it simple and then, you know, having that process be the same every time. So whether you're choosing a new bank or you're just choosing what to wear, you know, is is this going to spark joy or not? <laughs> it's, you know, it, I think it could be that simple. I think we solved it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> let, let's, well, let, let me ask this to the group, though, because part of the paralysis is like it's let's let's assume you know your values you have a goal you want to hold yourself accountable it can still be very difficult in the moment yeah you guys ever have times where it's like you're out of alignment with your goals or you make the wrong decision and then you shame yourself for it like i feel like it's easy to talk about it's much harder to do that's why hats off to to brandon because i would be more like your dad probably i would be like ooh rod that 10 days later eating pizza but like it's <laughs> it's easy to say it's much harder to do any thoughts on that guys 
I mean, I think sometimes when we want to like do something, are we doing it for us? Or are we doing it for someone else? Right? Like, okay, the carnivore diet, that's the, you know, let's use that as example. It, okay, that's appealing to you. But do you really want to do it, though? I, I think that's also the problem with decisions is, I know for me, like, you like, and I, and I'm sure you guys feel this too. Like we get inundated with so many different things from so many different people. And some of them have more like say with the things that we do in our life, like our, you know, our spouses or employers or coworkers or business owners. Right. So those way out our minds in figuring out like how things are prioritized when it comes to decision-making. And if we only have so much decision-making power in a given day, we're trying to figure out, okay, which things am I going to take time to deal with, right? Even if it's something that's super simple. And I think sometimes we're trying to figure those things out, but they're not even our things to figure out, if that makes sense. Like, I know I'll take on something that I'm like, wait, why am I even dealing with this? This isn't even mine. But it just somehow like fell on my plate. And then I somehow was taking ownership of something that, you know, wasn't even something I had to take ownership of. Yeah. You know, when it, when it comes to making those decisions and like actually doing it rather than thinking about it, because I think that that's absolutely true. It's easy to talk about this very ethereal concept when really in the moment it feels much different. And I remember I was on the lake probably three or four years ago with the group of leaders that I was working with. And we're on Lake George for those familiar. And we're, we're going past this, this place on Lake George called log Bay, right? And near log Bay, there's this giant overlooking cliff with two tiers that people jump off of into the lake. And for those who don't know me, my whole life, I've had an immense fear of heights, immense fear. I can watch videos of people doing those weird things on skyscrapers and I'm all sweaty, hot and bothered. It's weird. You don't want to be around me when that happens. But there are, we drive by this cliff and everyone on the boat, bunch of mans, men, they all want to impress each other. They're like, yeah, let's jump off the cliffs. You know, everyone's drinking. I've had normal just sparkling water. So I'm not even like buzzed or anything. And I'm like, oh my God, am I going to have to do this? Right. So I definitely went along with peer pressure here. But to continue the story, they're going up the cliffs. Everyone's getting out of the boat. They're going up there. And then finally, it's me. And one of my mentors, Keith, who I've talked about many times, he's like, come on, B, it's time for you to go. And I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, you got to do it. So I was like, OK, I guess I'm doing this. So saying you're going to do it and thinking about doing it is very different because when I got to the first tier of that cliff, I looked down and I was like, there's no way I can do this. But I had a line of people behind me and I'm like, oh, my God, I cannot not do this. I can't. I don't even know how I'd get down off this cliff now. Much easier to climb up and then climb down. And I just said in my mind, you know what? I just got to do it. I think of what Tony Robbins said. You just got to commit Just see yourself doing it. And just even if your mind doesn't want you to do it, make your body do it. No matter what, you've got this executive control over your physical body and you can make yourself do something. So I did. In that moment, I was like, I'm going to do it. And I jumped. And I jumped in a weird way and I almost hurt myself and I'm definitely not the most physically coordinated, but I jump off this cliff and I land in the water. And as I'm bubbling back up to the surface, I'm just very, very proud of what I did. But the, the point of me telling you that is in that moment of decision, which is the most difficult moment, you have to decide in that moment, I'm going to go all in on this thing. I'm going to jump. Even if I'm really afraid, I've got to do it. And it reminds me of that quote. I forget who says the quote. But they say that they make decisions fast 
and they adjust and change them very slowly. I think it might have been Gary Vaynerchuk who said this. I'm not sure, but make the decision quickly and then adjust slowly because if you start to adjust rapidly, then all of a sudden you're making a bunch of little decisions. Make your decision, and then if it's not working out the way that you wanted, adjust. It's about the journey, right? You don't always know if you're making the right move, but make the move and then figure out what you need to adjust after that point, even if that decision is scary. I love it. One of the things that we, you know, both Christine and Brandon got talking about is, is doing action. And, you know, an idea kind of just popped in my head. There's, there's doing, and then there's being. And I feel like when you're doing, that's very decision-based, but being, it just is, you know? And so in my mind, doing is hard and being is easy. And, you know, we can tie this back into nutrition. It's an easy one, right? If you are doing nutrition, if you are doing health, you're making decisions about your food, you're doing this and you're doing that. Um, and in a lot of ways, that gets kind of hard. That gets kind of difficult because there's a lot of nuance. There's a lot that happens there. But then there's being. There is being a healthy person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or being a carnivore. You know what I mean? Like when you are just being something, you don't have to worry as much about the doing because being automatically pushes you towards the correct set of actions, right? By, by being a certain way or by being and, and identifying very closely with something, it becomes easy to make those decisions or there maybe isn't even a decision, right? So if I am, if I am being a practicing uh, Muslim, right, like pork's not a decision for me. You know what I mean? So like for, for things like that, there, there's certain aspects that just, it's already done. It's already made for you. Now, I think the reverse is also true, right? So the statement doing is hard and being is easy. I think you could just as easily flip that and say doing is easy and being is hard. Because I feel like when we get stuck in our mode of doing, doing is easier. We believe that I can just do my way out of something. I can just take actions. I can, I can, I can earn my way into what I'm looking for, and I will then become that thing. Uh, and becoming something is hard. Being something is hard. Um, and so I feel like when people are stuck in that kind of fatigue, and so for, for listening, like if you've been listening along and like, you're one of those people that's like, yeah, I'm stuck in decision fatigue. I'm stuck in trying to you know, know what the next right thing is. Um, likely for you doing has become easy. It's easier to do something. I'm just going to go do it. I'm just going to go do the thing. Um, versus being, and often being takes, it takes deliberate practice. You have to, you have to really focus on what you want to be. And like Brandon was saying earlier, right? When, when you know where you're headed, when you know what your trajectory is, when you know what's important to you, when you know what matters, when you know certain things, you, you are, it just is. And there's no more decision around that. There's no more struggle. There's no more mental challenge there. It's done. It's done already. There's no doing your way out of it. Um, so that's more of kind of a, a philosophy side, but you know, very much when I can, I try to be something versus do something. And it, in some senses, it's harder because it has to be deep. You have to go many layers deeper to be something. Uh, but if you can internalize something in that way, it just comes out of you. It just flows naturally. It's no longer a decision. There's no longer the stress of, of trying to weigh options. It just now is. It just manifests and it comes out. I have a question for the group. Do you have or have you ever had 
decision PTSD. Give, give me an example of what you mean. So I'll give you my example. Um, so this is based off of something that happened to me. So when I was 17, and I don't know if you guys know this, I was in a very bad car accident mm. because of a decision that I made that was not thought out. I uh, was hanging out with people I was not supposed to. <laughs> it's not allowed to because <laughs> they were older guys. And I went on a car ride with them that led to a very, very bad accident. And it caused a complete change in my life, right? Like I have, uh, I went in and out of a window, like I was in the hospital for, for days. I had to have plastic surgery to, to fix part of my face. Like it caused, you know, a massive effect on, you know, how I looked, um, how I was treated, um, how my parents treated me, right? Like there was repercussions of, of those actions from a sporadic decision. Um, and deciding to go against, obviously, what you know my parents had wanted, but uh, not even using my own judgment, right? I'm just going to do this because I want to, and it's a good decision, right? But it turned out not to be a good decision. And you know, as we were talking through this therapy session, apparently, um, you know, I'm thinking about there has definitely been decisions we've all made that maybe were not the best and maybe they didn't have severe repercussions, but maybe some of them did. And, you know, is that the reason why some of us maybe have harder times than others to make maybe bigger decisions because of something like this, right? Because of this effect. Um, and there's definitely been other points in my life where I've made decisions um, that, hey, <laughs> look at the repercussions of this. It wasn't great. You know, it's, I'm still, you know, dealing with it. Right. Um, so I'm curious, like, you know, if that's affected, especially you, Ben, you know, is that why the perfectionism is, is needed because of the repercussions of, of a decision that was made prior? You don't want to make that same mistake. Real quick, I'd say it's kind of a gift because it gives you context. So you, Someone who hasn't made a poor decision doesn't have context as the importance of making the right decision. I had a DWI when I was 21 years old. I don't drink and drive anymore. Thank God I didn't hurt myself or hurt anybody else. I had to learn my lesson the hard way. Now, it's better the wisest people don't learn the hard way. But most of us, especially when we're younger, we're not that wise. We have to learn the hard way. Yeah. Um, making mistakes with relationships, saying the wrong thing. Um, I stole naked smoothies from work when I worked at produce in a grocery store and I got fired from that job for stealing and I should have been fired. And I, even one time my girlfriend at the time's like pissed off, she got a speeding ticket. I was like, were you speeding? And she's like, yeah, but the other people were too. And I'm like, that's not the point. You were speeding, you got pulled over. That's how the life works. So. My only point here is I feel like it's a gift because it gives us context in case it, it can be a curse, but it's a gift in the long term because you have an experience that will shape who you get to become later in life. And I'm saying this with hesitation because some things are so traumatic that it's near impossible to see them as gifts. But the best we can do is take what happened and use that as case study data to make better decisions 
in the future, but that brings in another one of the issues we talked about. We're never going to make a perfect decision. So if it creates paralysis, that's not a good thing either. I think this discussion could go on 15 hours if we Let's wanted it. to. And yeah. cancel your upcoming appointment. We're going. No, yeah, we're good. This is awesome. <laughs> well, and it makes me think like, you know, when, when we are making a decision and, and maybe that does bring up some, some PTSD because we, it's a, you know, turned out to be a horrible one for us. I feel like the decision PTSD, like, I feel like we all experience that. Like everybody does. Like, it's, you know, we call it regret. Right? I did something and I'm not thrilled <laughs> with the result. Uh, some people do it in business. Some people do it in their personal lives, you know, and there's all kinds of places that you can just make a mess of something because of one decision, you made one choice and it just ruined a lot of stuff. Um, took away opportunities, made it, you know, hurt other people, opened up new challenges that you never, never would have asked for. And I, I feel like in the short term, I think decision PTSD is normal. And I think it's something that is just part of life when you do accept it. But I think long term, if we have decision PTSD, I think we may be missing out on something because I feel like what can happen over time is once you've created distance from something, once you've gotten some space from something, I think that's when you can start to craft the narrative, build the story around that and reframe this bad decision, this regret that you have and start to reframe that as something that is now better informing you, right? Well, they say in business, there's no, there's no bad decisions, just expensive lessons or something, right? Uh, you know, and like sometimes that that's just the way that that goes. But often our personal decisions hurt way more than our entrepreneurial or business related decisions. And and so I feel like I feel like PTSD, it, the goal is that it's a short term condition. And then you rewrite the narrative for what caused the PTSD. And now it's more of just a battle scar. And you can show off the scar from time to time, sometimes physically, uh, sometimes just metaphorically. Um, and then you can kind of use that as an opportunity to help serve others, you know, tell a bigger story uh, or make better decisions for your future. Yeah, I mean, Christina, it's a great question and, and it's great that you shared that. I know you shared it in the past too. And the past is an interesting beast, right? Because we can't change what happened, nope. but we can learn from what happened, right? We can look back. And if I had to guess something that you've learned, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've learned that, you know, going in a car with bad people might not necessarily be the best move, right? Spending time around the wrong people might not be the best move. And you learn that in a very significant way. But think about how much stronger of a teacher you are now where you can help help your children, learn these things, right? You can, you can tell them that story rather than just say decisions have consequences, make right decisions. Yeah. You can say, Hey, look, listen to the decision I made. Like when you're, when your daughter's 17 and she's going on a trip with people, right? You can say, listen, let me tell you about a trip that I took when I was 17. So you can't change the past, but you can learn from it. And when you talk about PTSD from decisions, I had someone tell me long time ago, you can, some might call them a mentor when I was going through tough times and I was making excuses and I was complaining, they asked me, how is that serving you? Like making those complaints all the time, judging people, talking about people, how is that serving you? And the answer was it's serving me in a negative way. So if you make a decision and then you keep looking back on it with an intention other than to learn with an intention to feel guilt or to judge yourself, 
you're only hurting yourself in that moment. And listen, there are real, real instances of PTSD, you know, amongst people who were sexually traumatized, amongst people who went to war and lost people who were close to them in front of them. And, and that is a physical response to something. You literally see a memory and you're debilitized from that. And that's very different. And in those situations, you need to find help. And there's much help out there, many different solutions, make a decision to do something about it. But with things like that, and that's, that's a big thing, Christine, and I'm not sure how it affects you to this day, but I know the biggest effect is very surely your experience of going through that and your ability to now teach from a place of experience and be able to share that story with others like you did today. So with what Ben said, 100% agree that it's a gift. Even if well, it's I just want to chime in real quick, right? Because you look at it was a decision to hang out with people, you know, you know call it the wrong crowd. Right? You're hanging out with the wrong people. But I see that what's come of it now is like you've now flipped that on its head and turned it into your superpower. Because <laughs> now you are known as the Obi-Wan Kenobi of networking, wow. right? Like you are making decisions to hang out with and spend time near those people that you know are the right people. Uh, and so I feel like for you, you've kind of you've gone the completely the opposite direction. I feel like that's almost the choice we have, right? It's like we kind of keep going down that same path or we spin it and now this becomes like a superpower for me. I think it's the perspective, right? Like, you know, every decision is gonna have something. There's gonna be some response to it, right? So I think it's just, okay, what did I learn? And was did it make me happy? <laughs> did it spark joy, right? What whatever the thing is. And you know, we could go on, we could, you know, have this discussion all day long about, um, you know, what, what happens when these things happen. I know for me, um, there was a lot of things that happened that wouldn't have happened otherwise, right? It was a very big lesson, but it also gave me a lot of opportunity, but I also seek out opportunity. So other bad decisions, I'm like, okay, well, what can come out of this? How can I grow from this? How can I move on in a different way? How do I use this as leverage, not as a ball and chain, right? But that's that's my perspective from, you know, some of these bad decisions, I guess you could say. Andrew, I think that that was beautiful how you pretty much summed up that all of our decisions lead us to the person that we are today. And I think this was a fantastic lunch break discussion. And I think right now we're figuring out which letter we're going to do for next month. I think this <laughs> one was O for overcome. So if that's the case, our next one would be P. Or thought, maybe it's Q. We're going to figure that out. And we're going to let you know. I thought this month was P for paralysis. Oh, maybe it was. Maybe it was. So Q is going to be our next one. So everyone listening, let us know in the comments what you loved about this discussion. Be on the lookout for the poll to pick our next topic for next month's Lunch Break ABCs. And as always, thank you so much for watching, tuning in, and listening. And we will see you next time. Peace. Oh, hey, you're still here. Thanks for listening. If you need to take off, that's quite all right. I do have something brand new and exclusive to share. If you believe more hands-on training, peer accountability, and direct access to some of our guests from this very show would be a helpful addition to the podcast, do me a favor and head over to growgettersonly.com. That's grow, G-R-O-W, getters, G-E-T-T-E-R-S, only. 
com growgettersonly.com here you can unlock instant access to exclusive high-level mentors training networking accountability and hot seat coaching alongside fellow growth obsessed entrepreneurs and business professionals just like yourself all for guess what one dollar that's right one dollar for 30 days What's a grow getter? In short, a growth focused individual, especially in the business realm, who combines the relentless energy of a go getter with a constant pursuit of self improvement and collaboration. Is that you? Head to growgettersonly.com for some community support. This is not for you if you're looking for a quick fix rather than long term growth. Collaboration and learning from others just doesn't seem to appeal to you. You're not ready to be part of a community that relentlessly pushes boundaries. Complacency is your comfort zone. It's not for you. If it is for you, and if you didn't turn this off yet, I do presume you're a grow-getter. And I'd love to invite you to join my new collective, Grow-Getters Only. Basically, cost to check it out, $1 for a month. It's basically free. Everything is over at growgettersonly.com. Just like I said, growgettersonly.com. Oh, yeah. And one last thing. We do put on free events as well if you can't afford the dollar. <laughs> Jokes aside, I'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening. Appreciate you.